0: Welcome to the Church Times podcast. Try 10 issues for £10 or two months access to our website and apps also for £10. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash new hyphen reader. We don't have much information about Julian. We cannot even be certain that the author of the exquisite text Revelations of Divine Love is the 14th century Norwich anchoress called Julian, whom we know existed from other sources because the manuscripts of her text are all much later. It probably was the same person, but we can't be sure. The Julian whom we encounter in the text, who demands that we look not at her, but at the visions directly, would approve of her near invisibility. However, a plausible account of her life can be created from evidence within the text and externally this is that she was born in 1342 grew up to be a householder with at least one child but lost her family to the plague she suffered a near-death illness herself in may 1373 at the crisis of which in the liminal time just before dawn she experienced 16 revelations after that, for more than 30 years, she was an anchoress, a recluse who remained enclosed in, alone in a room next to the Church of St. Julian in Conisford, Norwich. She dispensed advice to visitors, prayed, reflected on her potentially heretical visions and wrote the wonderful text about her revelations, which is increasingly known and loved today. An anchorite of which by the 15th century, there are about 50 in Norwich alone, was someone who undertook to remain in a room attached to a church living according to simple vows. The room would have a squint into the church through which she or he could participate in the mass and a window to the outside world so people could come to seek and obtain counsel. She might have a servant in an adjoining room and a garden As the Ancrina Wyss or Guide for Anchoresses advises, she is not to go to extremes. She is to eat and sleep and dress sensibly, but she would remain in her room for the rest of her life. Many of us shiver at the thought of being locked in a cell. It is imprisonment. I have recently had the great privilege of meeting and being taught by three former prisoners, one of whom was released only in September. This last young gentleman had the brightest face I've seen in a long time. What was the source of his brightness? I learned that when he entered prison 13 years ago, he could neither read nor write. Now, not only is he literate, he is studying from an MBA. In the last couple of years, he told me, his eyes shining, he has read 260 non fiction books. He talked about using the time of incarceration for study and even, even wishing his time was a bit longer so he could finish his degree. He has become an inspirational speaker for other prisoners, something he started doing while still inside. Another former prisoner who had served 15 years of a life sentence, like Julian, had a vision in a dream which is powering him still. This dream vision was to learn and teach yoga. He discovered a place within himself that was not in prison. To go there was to make the unbearable bearable. He learned yoga, and again, while still in prison, started teaching yoga and meditation to other inmates and to prison officers. Now he continues his work, going into prisons around the country, showing often angry men how to find tranquility through meditation. These are examples of unwanted incarceration being turned to astonishingly good effect. They show just how rich an interior life can be when the body is prevented from going anywhere. But Julian chose her cell. Why would she do that? Of course, there were not many options for women then. She could have returned to being a householder or she could have become a nun. That was about it. But she had had a transformative, life-changing experience and she needed a safe space within which to forge a new life out of her visions. She needed a space where she would not be disturbed by the church authorities because she could not put aside the visions and the visions were potentially heretical. And like Virginia Woolf in our own time, she found a room of her own in which to write uninterrupted. But more than anything, the choice to enter a cell alone was to put nothing between herself and God or rather to take away everything that might distract her from God, not unlike the prisoner needing more time inside to finish his degree. To enter the anchorite's cell was to consciously put oneself in one's own coffin. It was to die to the world. The liturgy that accompanied her entry into her cell was a funeral with all the associated rites including anointing her body and tolling the funeral bell. In a moment, I'm going to read the passage in I, Julian, which describes her in her cell, as the doorway is bricked up, as the Dies Irae is chanted, right at the end of her anchoritic funeral. As I read, put yourself in Julian's place. You are entering a time of retreat now, away from the world, away from your ordinary life, with all its attendant concerns and troubles, turning now inwards to the little cell in your heart to meet God. It can be frightening if you're serious about your intent to put nothing in the way of your encounter with God. Even for a short time, to throw yourself into the arms of the living God takes courage because you are deliberately setting aside everything that creates and sustains a separate identity, purpose, reason for being in the world in order to become porous to God, to tune into God, to receive the fire of God. But as Rachel described, it is worth it. When the Requiem Mass ends, with almost no volition of my own, I am taken from my place before the high altar, through the rude screen, to the doorway in the south wall of the church, portal to my anchor hold, my place of prayer and retreat, of loneliness and submission, my last resting place before death, my first grave. The priests who convey me stop at the doorway and release my hands, And at this point, I am alone. And alone, by my own deliberate choice, I step down into the room. The great Dies Irae begins, chanted in relentless magnificent tones, like a beating drum, and the bell tolls its single steady note, announcing my death to the world. Dies Irae, Dies Illa, Solvet saclum in favilla, mors stupebit et natura. The day of wrath, that day, will reduce the world to ashes. Death and nature will marvel. I am in the anchor hold now. The chanting continues, the bell tolls. I turn and kneel at the window into the sanctuary, through which I can see the altar and Bishop Henry and the priests, but not the people, never more the people at prayer. I am kneeling, my body completely still and steady, and then panic rises from my belly to my forehead, but it is too late to run. The little doorway is bricked up one brick upon another not yet sealed with mortar that will come later but sealing me in nevertheless and my breath is shallow now my heart beating fast as brick upon brick is placed rex tremende maestatis qui salvandos salvas gratis salvame fons pietatis king of fearsome majesty who gladly saves those fit to be saved save me O fount of mercy the last bricks are laid the space where the door was is gone i am buried the cantor completes the terrible chant pa jesu domine donna eis requiem amen merciful lord jesus grant me rest Amen. Stillness. There is a quiet rustling of clothes and patter of feet as the people leave the church. Then the thin cry of a baby rises, piercing the silence. Is it a cry of pain or for new life or both? The cry leaves the church with the people and silence returns. I rise and release the curtain over the squint and I turn to face my cell, my coffin, my small home. I have never felt so fully alive. I am not expecting this. I was expecting to feel tortured by confinement at this moment as the portal is ripped up the impervious walls pressing upon me, my breath short and shallow, and panic only just kept under control. But the panic I felt when I first kneeled has gone. At last, at last, I am alone. I am at home. My breath is deep and satisfying, like drinking delicious clean water and slaking a thirst I hardly knew I had. I stand in the vast space that feels like the cathedral made bigger, not smaller by the walls. And it is all my own. Grateful relief floods through me like a balm. At last, I can ask the world to recede and it will. All I have to do is to close the curtain and I will be left in peace. Donna Nobis. Parchem, so much space just for me. And warm, a fire has been lit in the little fireplace, life in new death. I reach with careful fingertips and touch the east wall where my altar stands beneath my crucifix, towards the dawn, towards new life, towards God. There is nothing now between me and God, no thing. I kneel and weep tears of joy and speak words of thanks for the time that is granted me here, now. Time and space and strength for the long, slow interior journey deep into God. God deep into me i have come home thank you for listening to this week's episode of the church times podcast you can find more news analysis comment and book reviews on our website churchtimes.co.uk if you are not yet a subscriber to the church times you can try your first 10 issues for just 10 pounds You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more.